again. This is What the Football. I'm Patrick Gilbert, and with me are my two co-hosts, Con Taylor. Sorry, Con, Con Taylor and Liam Lawler. How are you both? Good to be Great. back again for another week. Liam, welcome back. We didn't miss you. <laughs> a, small, a small hiatus. Uh, they say that um, but a distance makes the heart grow fonder, Connell. Well, mate, I can tell you right now, it actually uh, made me a lot happier that you weren't around. <laughs> well, I thought Liam did exceptionally well in, in WTF Am I in the, in the session hosted by UConn. I thought he had his best week. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I think uh, it was by it. far his best week. Well, it was a week where Everton kick-started their season. Manchester United dropped points to Southampton. City and Liverpool won as expected, but City possibly at a cost with a big injury to Laporte. And Arsenal and Tottenham fired out a pulsating North London derby to close out the weekend. Lots of exciting talking points, them and others. So let's see what caught our panel's eyes with segment with the most amazing intro. WTF moments. Okay, gentlemen. What are the moments that make you sit up and say WTF this week? Look, I'll go first because I had the week off. The obvious one is the the Mane dummy spit. Oh. <laughs> it had it had to be it had to be said. Um, is he in the right? Is he in the wrong? Do we do we all have stories about players that we've played with in the past that just <laughs> never like to pass the ball that extra touch? Or do you want your leading man, essentially your guy that's really scores most of your goals, do you want him to continue taking those shots? Because at the end of the day, you want your striker shooting as often as, as he can. So, I mean, there's there's been a couple of videos that have swung around the, the social forums that point fun at Mane, but I think he's in the right. I think he, Salah's got to be squaring the ball a lot more often than what he does. So. Okay, let, let's set the scene a little bit. We, we had a... We had Halfway through, I think it was the second half, they were 2-0 up and Salah did a bit of his magic on the edge of the box and then had Firmino first up. It's simple through ball. Firmino would have been one and one with the keeper. Instead, he went for the shot. Firmino, Firmino isn't Mr. Nice Guy, isn't he? He just sort of looked a bit bemused by it all and shrugged. Then uh, about 15 minutes later, they were 3-0 up. And Salah did exactly the same thing, and Mane was running to an open goal. He just had to square it to him, and he didn't. And Mane was subbed immediately after that, and he wasn't happy at all. So, Con, what what do you think? Uh, it's an interesting one, talking to a few Liverpool supporters. Um, from a personal perspective, I think it's actually... My my perspective is that it's 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 actually a number of years of pent up frustration, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think it's it's quite valid, to be honest with you. Maybe the way he's handled it, very unlike Mane. And as I was saying, he's probably one of the most 
calm, sort of doesn't really get flustered. I've never seen him uh, sort of throw his toys out the cot, whether it be on the field, off the field, or anything. He's quite a, quite a humble guy. So to see Mane go off in that particular way um, just tells me that there has to be pent up frustration. And you can go back to numerous times with Salah. Uh, he does have the tendency to be greedy. And as Liam said, you know, the question is, do you want your top scorer to have that uh, greed in him, to take those chances to shoot on side? Of course you do. But you also want your main man to kind of have a little bit of presence of mind and identify players in, 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 in good positions. The challenge for, for Liverpool, I suppose, is we actually have a good balance amongst the three players if you look at them individually. Salah is extremely selfish. Right, he, he generally only scores um, because he holds on to the ball that extra long and is able to produce some magic. Firmino is the most selfless player in that entire front three, and you know you can tell by his reaction, which was probably um, he was in a far better position than what uh, Mane was in terms of that ball that Salah should have played through to him. He'll never complain. He'll just get on with it, and he'll still lay off an opportunity in the next play type of thing to whoever's available. And then you got uh, Sal, uh, sorry, Mane, who can be selfish, but is far more likely to play uh, one of his teammates that are in a better position. And I guess when he got subbed off, you know, I say it's a few years of frustration because this is not the first time Salah has done it. And I don't think it'll be the last. The most criminal thing about what Salah did was that in both instances, he turned back onto his weaker foot. Now, that I cannot understand at all. Yeah, I don't think I've seen Salah score with his right foot ever. Well, he barely even got... That both the, the first shot, it was particularly with Firmino, the ball barely made it to the goalkeeper. It was such a rubbish shot. So for a player of his calibre to go from your favoured foot to play a simple ball to a player in a better position, to then go onto your weaker foot and think you can you know, score from that position does scream selfishness. And I guess... As I said, Mane's reaction was quite crazy to see as a Liverpool supporter because that's not how he reacts in general. So I, I can only put that down to um, yeah, a number of years of pent-up frustration with having to deal with it. And then you add on top of that, he gets substituted and oh, yes. Salah stays on the field. So that was, that, I, You've hit the nail on the head there. I think that was the, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back there. He's probably mm. looking at Klopp going, hey, man. Why are you subbing me? We're 3-0 up. I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing the team things. The things that Klopp's probably been been uh, preaching during the week. And then he gets subbed. And he's going, yeah. you should have subbed him to teach him a lesson. We're 3-0 up. It's a time to teach him a lesson. And that's, that, and that, and, and, and that, and that's what I would have done. And, and Liam, you, you raised a question. Have you ever played with people in those situations? And, and, and yeah, I mean, the first few, few seasons, you can sort of deal with it and you... And you think, yeah, they're going to learn, they're going to learn, but then they don't. And and in the situation I was in, we were we were in a very similar position to Liverpool. We were we were second, but there was a bit of daylight. Well, a little bit of daylight between second and first, so we were chasing the top team. And the frustrating thing for me was that by not playing those balls when someone a forward is completely open, they're the little things that cost little. Uh, cost goals during the season, which end up forcing us to lose the league. 
Mm. And, and so, so you're just going, we, we need to do them. We need to play those passes when it's on sure shoot, when it's a 50 50. But when someone's clear and it just takes a little through ball to put them one on one with the keeper and we're not doing that, they're going to cost us in the title race. And that's what I think Liverpool need to be careful of because Manchester City would have passed that ball every single Pat, time. You know, sorry, Pat, I'll jump in quickly, but I don't know if you saw the substitution in the Man City game when David Silva came off. Bernardo Silva came on. They won the ball. 17 seconds later, Bernardo Silva scored. But I want to take the play back to when Aguero, who was in prime position to unleash one of his uh, deadly accurate shots on his favoured right foot, he had the opportunity to do so in the position that he was in, and nine times out of ten may have taken that. But the way in which City score their goals, it's all... I will say one thing. There's a lot more selflessness amongst the way City score their goals as opposed to certain individuals within the Liverpool team, namely Salah. I can't be too critical of him because he does score a lot of goals. I guess in a league where the margins are so small, you know, we're playing Man City, that same opportunity comes, it's nil-nil, it's a title decider. You know, you're losing your mind if he does not pass that ball to Firmino or Mane. And that costs you the title. Exactly. So, and it's, it's a bad habit. And bad habits don't change just suddenly when you need them to. If he's doing that right. all season, how do you, how's he going to go through the thought process of playing that ball when it really counts? That's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. I, I don't know how you change that mindset, but like just briefly touching on the point you guys just raised, the, the margins are so fine between Man City and Liverpool's really, they're the two hot favorites this year being if you're being completely honest with yourselves. But um, they're, they're the fine margins that when they do play each other, Man City are always looking to square up a pass to, to get the goal. And at the end of the season, how, are we going to look back and have another title race that went down to um, goals scored? And then you will left be... Salah will really be left in a situation where they have to... I'm sure Klopp will have a, have a chat to him about... Um, squaring the ball up more. Well, exactly. Klopp, it, it was funny Klopp comments, actually, you mentioned that. I kind of I took it I took it as a, a bit of tongue-in-cheek, maybe, when he's saying, you know, Mane's a very emotional character. Uh, you know, Mane being emotional, I've never, as I said to you, as a Liverpool fan, as any fan in any club, I, I've never seen him react that way, which is a little bit concerning that he, you know, it had to happen, obviously, in the public eye. And the fact that it did, you know, I don't know, is there an underlying issue there that we don't know about? I don't know. Or is this healthy competition that can be kind of put to one side, dealt with, and we can move on quickly from it? It will be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, Con, did you have one to go with? I do. It's a moving, shifting gear, actually, to another club. And, you know, I don't want to come across as... A, as a basher of this club. But, oh, look, here but, we go. But no, no, don't worry. Arsenal are safe this week. But <laughs> um, a week off. <laughs> I, I took time out, you know, just because it was the early game, but to uh, watch the United-Southampton game. And one of the striking things that, about that game was just how, I, you know, obviously it's been six years, but, it hit home even further that they're nowhere closer to being anywhere near to the level required at that club. How far United have actually fallen and 
the mediocrity that's actually through that team. It's actually that their bench reminds me a lot of Liverpool, you know, probably in a number of different eras, but, you know, I cast my mind back between 09, Benitez leaving, or was it, uh, sorry, 10, Benitez leaving to probably, you know, Rogers a season for the title. There's about a four or five year period there where honestly watching us was one of the most painful exercises of my life. But looking at our bench and the players we had coming on at that stage, this United team is very close to that level in terms of their, um, their personnel and their ability on the park. I mean, when you look at their bench, it's just, it's, it's how long, my question is how long are they actually going to give Oligan a soul try? You know, we talk about giving youth a try and I fully get that. But are we in an era where you're willing to wait three to four years before that, before the youth comes to the fore? I mean, United under Ferguson took about five or six years to eventually get that title. Are you telling me in today's climate that that's how long they will give you before, you know, they want to see reward? I just, I don't see it. And when you got a bench of Chong, Tanzibi, Lingard and Greenwood, and you've got starting players like James and Andre, oh, it's his Andreas Pereira. I, I just, it's a struggle to see where United are going, what their plan is and how long they'll actually sustain the sort of patience that they're currently having with um, their current crop of players because I just can't see a team as big as United waiting. Especially with an inexperienced, unproven manager in, in Ole. I mean, I was, I couldn't believe they appointed him full time before the end of the season. And, and just, and just like Murphy's Law would have it, as soon as they gave him his contract, they went on a big losing streak. And, 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 and yeah, how, how long will they stick with him? If they finish 10th, 11th, 12th this year, I mean, it's, the writing's on the wall. I mean, if it was someone like a, like a Klopp had moved clubs or like a, a Wenger or someone like that, where you go, oh yeah, this guy can, can build a club. We'll give him two, three or four years to, to build it. You'd have that faith. But, but in, in a manager like Solskjaer, it's, he needs, he needs results. You can't what, have that faith. Well, that's just it, Pat. I mean, to your point, you know, you, you, you give the man the job. He comes in. He's, they, it's like they're living in this fantasy world in a way where it's like, let's go back to how, you know, the Manchester United way. Let's, let's, uh, a point from within the club, obviously being an ex player, and let's try and promote youth, which is all the ideals that they had back in, you know, the 80s when Ferguson kind of started and took them to fame. Uh, I just feel like they're in a position where they need a manager that is able to bring in the, the caliber of player required. And if you are going to establish a long-term project, then make sure, you, to me, you're bringing in a manager that has the credentials to do so. And I, I'm sorry, I, I actually am not a fan of United at all, but I actually have a lot of respect and time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a player because he's one of the nicest guys out there. But I just cannot see him being the man tasked for turning this around. I'll go on record as saying that. I do not see him turning this around at United at all, least of all with their current crop of players. Yeah, there's just like you said, he he was a brilliant impact player for them off the bench, and I'm all for giving him a chance. But you you look at the players they've got now, and 
And do they have, one, do they have the caliber of player to compete anymore? And two, who are they going to, who wants to jump ship and play under Ole? Really, like he he doesn't have too much experience. It's, it's he doesn't really have that draw like Klopp and and um, Guardiola, Guardiola Guardiola do. So um, and and Emery and and Emery. Look, we got Pepe. So and um, yeah, do do players even want to come across to United? Is there that draw that um, that Fergie had? I mean, they they pinched Van Persie from under our noses, and he went on to to get the Golden Bruton kind of play a pivotal role in them winning that 20th title of theirs. But I just, I don't see their, their current crop of players. You, you look at when they, when they had the, the youngsters coming through the ranks, they had Neville and, um, and Co and Beckham coming through the ranks. These, these players don't really match up to those. I mean, you, you got Rashford maybe who, who shows potential um, in bits and pieces, but then, They've now let Lukaku go, and I'm not saying he was the greatest striker, but they don't really have another out and out number nine as well as they. Sanchez was brilliant when he was at Arsenal, but he's probably not in the greatest form. But he's you take him as as a backup on your bench just in case at the moment, and hopefully he comes into some form because he he has the potential to to turn any game on its head. So. Oh, I just think I just think this could be another long season for United at the end of the day. I think what's going to come back to haunt all these United fans, and I think of all the mockery I've had to endure over all those years, but it's nice to see that they try to recall history these days when it comes to talking about their team, because the reality is this current United team is not anywhere near competing at the top of the table. And with their current way that they're running this, their club, you know, that's going to continue for a while yet. To Liam's point, you know, watching the game on, on Friday, they look like a team that was competing with the team on their level, which is actually quite, you know, I suppose from a United fan, quite disheartening to have to witness. You know, James, for all the fact that he scored three goals, I don't know, I look at him and I think he's a very limited player. I actually thought Greenwood, who came on, in the 80th minute, showed a lot more potential to be maybe ready for this level than James did in the 80 minutes he was on. I know maybe a lot of people will disagree with that, but he just looked an extremely limited player. He looks like a player that has a good shot and a bit of pace, but it won't be long before defenders read him and understand him, and the very strong attributes that he potentially has are gone completely because there's nothing else to his game. Rashford... I don't know. He's not ready to to lead a front line, in my opinion. Pogba, wow, that guy. I mean, we have arguments constantly on our on our uh, messenger group. Can be world class one day and can be a donkey's ass the next. And on Friday, he was abs- uh, sorry. On Saturday, he was absolutely honking. It was as if he didn't want to be there, which makes it even harder. As Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's job, how do you build a team around a player who? potentially didn't want to be there in the first place and now it's kind of forced into this average team and expected to to take it to another level. I just I see a very long road ahead for United. Yeah, you, you need to build your team around uh, around uh, a strong leader who performs consistently week in and week out and that's that's where Arsenal were about 12 months ago, 12 to 18 months ago with Ozil. 
Mm. We were trying to build a team around him, but he would go missing two out of every three weeks. And when the big games came, he wasn't there. Um, so, it, so Emery moved on. He's building his team around other other players, and we'll get to Arsenal soon. Uh, but I think your comment when you said Manchester United looked like a team that was competing on the same level as Southampton, I think that was a really telling point because I, I was thinking the same thing after maybe after the first twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, um, because especially when Southampton went to play a down in that second half, yeah. they still looked more likely to score. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was. But it was. Like, and trust like, me, I've been here as a Liverpool supporter, so I see the writing on the wall of what this team is becoming. And United United fans need to be worried. My WTF moment was... I never thought I'd bring this up because I hate talking about it, but I had to. It's VAR. <laughs> what the F is going on with that? Does it even exist wow. anymore? I mean, the interpretation seems to, to have changed since the opening two weeks with no communication from the governing body that this is what's happened. Aston Villa, for example, was extremely hard done by. Crystal Palace's goal by Jordan you clearly coming as a result of him controlling the ball with his arm, whether intentionally or accidentally, this was an event that in the first two weeks resulted in a blanket ruling of all goals being disallowed. So what now is the rule on this? Furthermore, on the flip side, the ruling for a clear and obvious foul in the box is becoming murkier by the day. Again in the Aston Villa game, in the very last minute, Villa were not given a penalty by VAR despite a clear foul by Gary Cale in the box. To add salt to the wounds, the ref blew the whistle for a dive and not letting play carry on when Villa actually scored a goal from general play anyway. We have seen players getting their feet trodden on, tripped, kicked and shirts pulled, yet no penalty by VAR. In the Arsenal-Tottenham game this morning when the score was zero, was 1-0 to Tottenham, we even saw Aubameyang's shirt being pulled at a corner. Yet what happens? The VAR talks to the ref who calls Rose and Kane over to warn them about the shirt pulling. What the? Is the VAR now a warning system? Do players not already know that it is against the rules to hold their opponent's shirts and need to be reminded and warned? Why isn't the warning given for other fouls or penalties? Give everyone a chance of committing one foul before penalised, if that's what VAR is these days. So VAR was brought in to clear up all of these grey areas but the poorly defined and inconsistent execution of it has only succeeded in creating far more confusion than ever. So my message is be strong and do it properly. Don't or don't do it at all. Mm. I just think they've gone away from what they said it was going to be. They've got scared and now no one knows what it is and it's even worse. Yeah. Uh, they took, um, sorry to cut you off, they took that extra year on on board instead of, I think, all the other European competitions um, had VAR last year. And I just, you think that they would have kind of nutted out these kind of things and planned and prepared and got the referees all on the same level. But uh, at times it's shambolic. Like, I, I didn't see the Aston Villa calls, but um, I saw that I did see the handball by IU and that's a handball at the end of the day. So... I don't say, um, they say it's got to be a complete, clear, um, a clear mis- mistake, or I'm not sure the actual wording that they use, but that's a handball at the end of the day. Has VAR even made a decision in the last two weeks? I haven't seen one. I think 
they, they made a lot of decisions first two weeks. They got criticised by possibly a vocal minority who weren't happy that with certain rulings. But, and then they've got scared and disappeared. I've not seen a decision in two weeks by VAR. Well, they're Tottenham's, Tottenham's 13th man. <laughs> or 12th man. <laughs> against Man City. And then, look, he, he, he was offside at the end of the day, but they are ruled Kalasnak off, offside as well. We would have gone 3-2 up. Yeah, that, that that was, I think it was called by the linesman, it was just reviewed by VAR. So that it still hasn't made a definitive decision for a number of weeks and, and, and that's just weak management. You, it, as you said, Liam, they've, they waited a, um, a year and they came out strong saying, this is how we're going to adjudicate. They did it for two weeks and then got bullied to not doing it and they've gone quiet and I think that's even worse. Now no one knows where they stand. Look, Pat, I will say, well, I'll challenge you on one thing, and I'll cut VAR some slack, but I've watched that Jordan IU goal about 15 times, and unless I'm blind, I didn't see the ball actually hit his arm at all. It kind of hit him in his abdominals, which is probably why there was no penalty. The issue that I have with VAR is I don't know if you saw the Tillemans tackle in that game, and there there was another tackle after that, or it may have been before, from a Bournemouth player. I mean, had the referees seen the tackle, especially from Tillemans, that's a red card every day of the week. How VAR then looks at that and goes, no, the referee has not made a mistake at all. Never mind, there was no yellow card or anything given. It's just, I mean, it's completely beyond me. And then, you know, the Aston Villa one, this is where I'm kind of confused. And a, a, a friend of mine brought this up as well, uh, Lockie Gardner, where he said, when the, when the goal got scored by uh, the guy from Villa, Grealish, or the ref, had actually, just before he hit the shot, had blown the whistle for the foul, or sorry, for the dive that he thought Grealish had obviously made, which was in the first attack just outside the box. But when Grealish got into the box, he then got, he actually got fouled twice, if you ask me. It was for what the ref thought was a dive. But then the leg that got stuck out, I think, by Kelly, which tripped him, which resulted in the ball deflecting to the Villa player, where then the ref blew his whistle. He then had a shot, and he brought it back for the free kick. Now, my question is, what is VAR's jurisdiction? Does the play end when the ref blows his whistle, and everything that's happened after that is irrelevant? And so, should yeah. VAR then review the fact that the foul is actually the incident that they review and not the preceding incidents that happened afterwards? So I, I think the ruling, that, that's really complex. I think the ruling is that VAR only adjudicates on red cards or penalties and, and ruling out goals which have accidentally hit someone's hand. So then, so then, they, so then, in, that, so then in that instance, there was actually the ref just made a wrong call in giving the or, or in thinking that the first tackle made on Grealish was a dive. So you're saying that VAR cannot overrule that. Is that correct? Well, I think because that's what he blew it up for. That's what he blew it up for. Well, he, he would he would go back to VAR and and say, "Have a look at this. I blew for a dive," um, and VAR would say it wasn't a dive. But I don't think. Uh, Pat, I don't think that's I don't think that's VAR's jurisdiction. That's the problem. 
So that's well, the underlying issue. It resulted in a penalty a second later because at the first foul, you're talking about two fouls which happened within a second. That's so, right. So but he the... wouldn't he wouldn't have blown his whistle in time, but well, well, before the actual second foul took place. So so then like 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 if, if he blows it, if he blows it and then something happens, I don't think VAR can do it. But if he's blowing it and saying no, I think you dive back here. Um, but the but the whistle occurred after the penalty offence, and VAR possibly has jurisdiction to say, well, you know what, it's a penalty because he actually didn't dive, and the foul was was there actually was a foul in the box, mm. so maybe you should overrule your decision and give the penalty, so because your whistle was blown after the foul in the box. But, mm. but listen, this is all complete conjecture. I mean, how do we? This is my point with VAR. Where do yeah. we all stand in all of this? <laughs> I mean, you're making a great argument that yeah, he blew for the for the for the for the dive. Therefore, anything after that can't be adjudicated. But there's an equally valid argument to say, well, but the whistle went after the penalty foul, so then it did affect it's an incorrect decision, which results in a goal. So you yeah. shouldn't should award the penalty. So where does that sit? But but mate, there's been. I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs on certain decisions, <laughs> but 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 there's there's been other ones where people have trodden on feet last week, and it's just called play on. I mean, if someone stands on your feet when you're running for the ball, I mean, that's a clear penalty. Yeah. Um, it's we, we just don't know what what's going to happen now. It's much more uncertainty. But anyway, I don't want to rant about VAR. I've, I've got a few other more interesting points. You guys got any more? I do. Liam? I do, and I um, I don't generally like to slag my own team. However, the last two weeks, um, I'm going to have a small dig at Emery here. I just I think he got it all wrong with his his personnel choice. I don't. I think he got his formations right in both games, but I just think he in the in the game against Liverpool, I think Torreira should be starting. 100%, and then last night or early this morning, wherever you are in the world, um, we we lacked a bit of creativity to till Sabellos came on. I uh, just I wonder. Um, I thought yeah, he would have learnt from his mistake last week. Yeah, we were maybe. two. We, we had only two one down. We had 15 shots on goal. Yeah, but I just think there were three more defensive-minded or lacking that um, real drive in that midfield. And it, it showed as soon as Danny Sabeos came on, he he lit up that game that first five, ten minutes. And it, there was a lot of energy and the game picked up. After, we were a different team in that second half. We, we didn't play poorly in the first. Um, gave away two errors that led to goals. David Louise again, I think. <laughs> but, oh, um, the the world class just... defender that they were no, no, no. last week. Right? Lazy journalism from you both. Lazy. Lazy <laughs> David Louise. He was he was sublime. Oh, and that goal was the fault of Socrates for committing for a header he was never going to win and leaving them short in the back. It was a knock on effect. Louise gets the blame because he's Louise. He was sublime today. Sublime. And, sublime. You watch, you watch him. He was sublime. He, he is everyone, what everyone should aspire to be as oh, a defender word. today. Good You've Lord. You've got to give credit where it's due. You need to watch Condit.
yeah, <laughs> you've got to watch it. He was absolutely brilliant. Now, now, Liam, you wanted just, to give yeah. Sabias a starting role in another big game after he went anonymous last week against Liverpool. I just I think at, at home, at home is it, if it, it's different. I think he he probably shouldn't have started against Liverpool, but I, I definitely think he should have started at home. Just with the crowd, the energy he brings. He played well in the first game there. To a different formation that plays more his style. Um, I just think Emery potentially got the the personnel wrong in the last couple of weeks, and hopefully he learns from that. And this break when they come back, we we hit the nail on the head, and Pepe scores a hat trick. Yeah, I agree. Possibly against Liverpool, wrong. And I've got some mates to think the same thing this yeah. week against Tottenham. Um, I, I just think you you look at how they played to make that decision. The first ten minutes, all over them. We were ferocious. We were attacking them, and it's a long time we came since we came out and attacked a big club. And this is what we've been asking for. Tottenham are not to, a big club. Asking to attack them, and we showed. <laughs> I mean, we we were undone a bit, a lot by some poor defending goalkeeping in in a few instances on the counter attack. Um, but, but, but really, I mean, it, we, we had, we had one goal from that Socrates era that I'll, I'll call it. And Leno not actually fumbling a, a shot. He probably should have pulled yeah. in. And, I and think the other he, one was, what, got a bit, was, was Xhaka going a bit crazy in the box. I mean, what an idiot. What an idiot. Exactly. But <laughs> I, I just watched the first half again because my memory was it that was that we dominated the first 10 minutes and then got a bit shell shocked when Tottenham scored. We we actually it was pretty it was an even first half. You you watch you you watch it with uh, just sitting knowing knowing what's going and in, in a bit of hindsight not not with the emotion and everything and you go it was actually an even first half. We went in two one down, and then we came out second half and completely dominated. And we were dominating before Sebastian came on, and he he certainly he certainly gave us more weight with that. But 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 in that even match in that first half. I mean, I just don't think that you can trust Ceballos after what he did last week or what he didn't do last week. Yeah. And I think, and I think what Emery was saying was, we need to, we, we need to battle those combative midfielders. I mean, Spurs similar to Liverpool. I mean, they've they've apart from Ericsson, the other the other midfielders. I mean, they play probably four in there, and the other three are very strong, like like the three Liverpool midfielders at Boston last week. So we went in with three more defensively-minded midfielders to try and just get that, just neutralise it a bit. And then we were just attacking them with those that front three. And and that front three is going to be special, isn't it? I mean... We've... Absolutely. It's only, a, it's only a matter of time before they click. Lacazette and Aubameyang are always going to score goals, but young Pepe, I think once once he hits form and I think once he hits the back of the net, then he's going to find it a lot more regularly. He's just, he's starting, he snatches at a couple of chances at the moment, so it only it only takes one. I think Thierry Henry didn't score for five five games. Exactly, so. yeah. He's next Henry. Gee, he's got some quick feet. Good turning circle. Um, His dribbling is unbelievable. His close ball control, he's, he's turned that many players in the last two weeks he's really played. Good defenders, right? Andy Robertson from from Liverpool and Van Dijk, Van Dijk and Danny Rose. He was having a field day with Danny Rose. Yeah, he's going to be a mess. And the guys that have been in the Premier League for a while. 
and he gives so much extra space to Lacazette and Aubameyang now because there's an extra, there's a third guy to mark, and they've got to mark him tightly. And I, I was actually writing, I was watching the game and I was writing a few notes, and I was writing writing the notes with the narrative that we'd lost the game during that first half. It was like it was almost like exactly like the Liverpool game where gee we're playing quite well, gee we're two nil down. That's all sucks. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was trying to find the positives in it all. And for us to come back from the two goals down, to, to actually change it, to have that fight, to come down and equalise, and, and I, I just think we deserve to win that one. Um, I'll mean, tell you one thing, that's though. That's massive. You were, very, uh, you were very lucky. And I think uh, that Socrates, very lucky not to give a penalty away to Kane at the end there. His hands were all over him. Well, <laughs> what are you talking about, Con? Well, watch the game, and you'll I, see how many times their hands I'm, were tugging our shirts. I'm in not. The box, I'm not just, holding I, us in the box. It probably brings up the great topic of VAR. What the hell the point of it is? Because there, I'm watching the highlights as we speak, actually, and there are some dubious call, non-calls in this game, so to speak. There were. There were. Yeah. Hey, what, what about Guendouzi? Didn't he boss that midfield? He played extremely well. De- De- delicious ball, I must say, for the Aubameyang goal. Just think it's it was really nice, and for a young kid, twenty year old, to boss the midfield in a North London derby, I think I think that's really impressive stuff. Mm. Yeah, he played really well. That that ball for Aubameyang's goal was inch perfect. I think he really just put it on the platter. He put it there for Aubameyang and said, "Look, you do the rest." So Con's getting bored. We've talked a lot about Arsenal. <laughs> oh, I, thought I, I thought I was on an Arsenal podcast there for a second. Bloody hell. So, Con, another WTF moment. What Watford drew away to Newcastle this week. Amazing. They previously lost away to Everton, but more concerning are their two losses at home to West Ham and Brighton. Are you getting worried? Uh, you're talking about my tip for Watford to come out of this mire that they're in, I suppose, are you? Uh, uh, shall, shall we just play this? Hang on. Let, let, let me have a listen to this clip from a few weeks ago. Yeah, on the first two weeks, the the judge in me is looking at Newcastle, Crystal Palace and Aston uh, and and Watford going down. But the... Watford? The, but, Watford? <laughs> Did you hear that surprise, that disgust in his voice? It was, it was, was disgust. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, uh, coming off a uh, a draw to Newcastle this week, Con, what do you think? I stand with my original position. If, if and this there is a disclaimer here, but if Watford uh, keep Javier Garcia in his job, they will come out of this. There's, they have too much quality in their team not to come out. Um, they're battling without Dini, obviously getting injured last game. Delafay was well and truly off form. I just think they'll come right given the time. Um, and that, you know, sometimes it just takes a point to get get the ball rolling. So let's see how they go after the international break. But they'll stay up. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, I did go on to say that I expect Watford to come good, but gee, they're failing the eye test at the moment. They are. Um, And the Aston Villa and Norwich, Norwich, despite all their excitement, have drifted alarmingly to the bottom, but it it, it is is only four games in. 
Norwich yes. had a really tough opening. So I think we need to we, we need to steady a bit, give him a few more weeks. Um, my, my second favourite, Sheffield United, is still up there. Liam, that was your tip to go down. Just reminding I, you. I'm glad you um, I'm glad you just referenced Connell's big mouth because I actually said that Crystal Palace were going to struggle. In yes, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you bring that up? <laughs> because I said it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've made me eat my words, haven't they? <laughs> I never, never bet against Roy. I'd never bet against old Wiley Woy, mate. I told you guys. <laughs> and, and, and another thing that caught my eye, Vardy. Gee, he's in some form. He is looking He's looking even better than usual. His finishing is so clinical. And I just love that one. He just lobbed over the keeper from 35 yards out. He just Phenomenal. so easy, didn't he? Yeah. And, and yeah. I love strikers that do something like that. And they, they're off celebrating at the corner flag while the ball's still bouncing into the goal. Like <laughs> from the moment he left his boot, he just ran off. That's in. Didn't even bother looking. So good. Yeah. Quality player provided. Right. So any more moments from you guys? Are we going to get in and have a bit of fun? Let's, let's get the fun police in. Yeah, let's right. do it. The next segment is the exciting... <laughs> Alexis at the back post, but it's Messi! Are you kidding me? This is off the charts again! Brilliant the only way that he can do it! Whatever you need, a fireman! Messi's the man to call! There's a segment where we play. It can be a commentator, it can be a player, it can be someone on a, on a TV station, a radio podcast. We play some interesting things that have been said, and Con and Liam need to guess who they are and what they, they are talking about. Let us kick it off with this one. Listen, he's putting, I think everyone who becomes a manager is putting themselves on the line. I'm, I'm fair play to them. And also coming so early in his, his managerial career, really. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I, 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 I know Frank. I played with Frank. You could argue in some ways I'm a, as close to Frank as I am as any player I didn't play with. Is the best mm-hmm. way of explaining it because you know we we played under twenty one together, we roomed together. Jamie Carragher. One point, yes. What is he talking about? He's talking about no Frank. I can't understand his bloody accent. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about. I think he's talking about Frank Lampard, and being his roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get minus points for shouting out rubbish? Yeah, I think he's talking about Frank Lampard and obviously coming in as a young coach to a big club, potentially. Yes, two points gone. Very good. Yeah. I, I, I liked how he, he, he know he's as close to him as someone that never played with him. I liked how yeah. he made that point, made it perfectly clear. Yeah. Um, okay, that was, that was very good, Con. And, and Liam? You can jump I was a bit biased towards a Liverpool, well. a Liverpool, a Liverpool oh. bias there. Yeah, wow. Well, this one definitely doesn't have a Liverpool bias. Um, and you can jump in during the clip. That was a precedent set by Sanjay last week. Okay, here is the next one. That is what you're taught as a kid um, when, you, when you're uh, starting to come into football. Get your body across to make Alan contact Kira. with the defender. Yes. 
How the hell am I supposed to hear anything if someone shouts during the bloody talking, mate? (laughs) Mate. There's got to be a rule here. It's Alan Shearer talking about Kane stepping across Socrates. (laughs) Yes. This is a shambles. We have to get through the clip, surely. (laughs) Mate, I don't set the rules. Well, Con, you might get... abide by them. (laughs) You might get your own back here, Con. Listen to this one. Emotional guy, and it's good to be an individual yeah, good all club. like this. And then something went <laughs> not exactly like you wanted, obviously. And talking about uh, Sadio Mane's reaction, it was a pass he might have considered, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but we, 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 uh, we clarify that on all the how we always do in the, in the dressing room, of course. So that's all what we want to say about that. Yes, and it was quite ironic <laughs> that you both, you, you both brought up these two incidents that I had ready for the who the F said that because, uh, yeah, very quick on the buzzer. It was indeed Jurgen Klopp trying to talk about how Mane, not, nothing to see here with Mane Salah. Nothing to see. We've addressed it. That's all I'm going to say about it. We yeah. need to address these rules. Yeah, I, I think, look, Lee, I'm, I'm happy to uh, call a truce and say that the clip must be played till the end before a guess is made. Well, I'm really me, glad me. you said that because you both would be jumping all over this one. Good. So, okay, so no jumping until the end. No jumping. This is a interesting one. I think it's made by a very well, one of my favourite commentators out there. I want to try and try and rival your core con by getting in a little bit early. I'm going to get in really early on this guy, a guy that I've actually been really impressed with. Yeah, I don't think he's, he hasn't scored a goal. He hasn't really done anything of note yet. Is Sebastian Haller. Is it? That's Patrick Gilbert. <laughs> hey, was that the guy that predicted Haller was an awesome player before he'd even scored a goal and now he's gone on to score three goals in two matches? You predicted that Haller was a hell of a player and it looks like it's <laughs> turning out that way, Pat. He scored three goals, guys. <laughs> Let's just settle down. It's like four rounds in. Okay, that, that was my gratuitous moment. Here is the <laughs> final clip. This could be the decider. So Connor's on four points, Liam on two. I will give an extra bonus point for the person. Just to make this, this interesting, for the person that's actually talking, two points for the person that's talking, one point for what he's talking about. Okay. I think you almost have to write United off for the next two years, this team. I think until Ole Gunnar's cleared everything he wants out, mm. there's four or five transfer windows. United are going to be behind Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Tottenham. Paul Coles. You were itching, fast. waiting for the clip to finish. <laughs> waiting. You have to get in. Did you know who it was, Lola? Yes, I did know who it was. You're too slow. you got to get in. Too I didn't even know the clip was finished. You yelled that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Carl. Thank you, uh, thank you. Six to two, and he's basically talking about what you were talking about, Con. Yeah. The fact yeah. that Man United are looking like they're three or four years away. I do like Paul Shambles. He's an honest, he's another honest, one of the few honest blokes that played for United. <laughs> <laughs> I own the club, that's right. Dollar, uh, dollar. Make it rain on Hey, hey, uh, let's go back to you. Get that. 
Your boy is back in the house with another week. September, here we go. Liam, unfortunately, you fell to a, uh, a loss in August and Pat is the reigning champion for this segment. So you better pick it up, my man. You miss a week and this is what happens. Yeah, look, Thanks for the impressive prizes you sent across the other day, Con. <laughs> did you enjoy that? Did you I enjoy did. It? I mean, it's far more than I expected. Exactly. See, Liam, you lost out by uh, falling to last place, mate. So I think Sanjay really up. let me down last week. <laughs> That's not what the viewers said, according to the feedback. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Our first player. Are we ready? Hands on the button. Here we go. Okay, I was born in, oh, sorry, I was born on August 1st, 1979. This is going to kill Liam, 1970. And I'm an English, oh, an English Lord. footballer. 1970. Yeah. <laughs> Clue one. Have a, wild, have, a, have a wild pop, lads. Ian Wright. No. Ian Wright, it's not 48, surely. He'd be up there. Yes. I think he is. English. Tony Adams. No. You two and your bloody Arsenal supporters. Jeez, Arsenal players. <laughs> <laughs> I am currently, and I don't know if you guys follow uh, BT Sports, but I'm a currently a pundit on BT Sports football coverage. Oh. That opens it up. That's a big clue early on. A big clue early on. Uh, uh, Gary Neville. Nope. I don't watch BT Sports. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Gary's on Sky Sports, isn't he? Yeah, he's on Sky Sports. The, the, <laughs> the rival network. Sol Campbell. No. <laughs> All right. I played for no less than eight English clubs. Oh, most of them in the top tier. Nice. Um, oh, that's an impressive record. It is a very, and the next stat is even more impressive, but we'll get to it. Awkward. Very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> this, very I like, quiet I like this one, Con. You I like, like this one. This is a this is a, a perler. It's it's something different from the norm. That's all I can say. But when you know who it is, you'll go, oh, how did I not get that? I, I don't have a guess at the moment. I No guess. I and I imagine I Liam's the same. No, I've got no idea. I okay. Clue. Moving on. We're on to clue number four. <clears throat> I have made no less then 797 appearances and stand fourth for the all-time Premier League top flight appearances. So I've made so, no less than 797 appearances geez. and stand fourth for the all-time Premier League top flight appearances. Oh, my God. This is not who you think it is, guys. That's all. I, that's the other clue. I'll, I'll give you a free clue. <laughs> so cast your mind away from those players. 
Jeez, but seven ninety seven. Yeah. Um, the pundits are really struggling here tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This, this is really embarrassing, right? This, this is one sounds like we should know this guy. <laughs> you he played eight hundred times he, at eight different clubs in the Premier yeah, League. Exactly, which is quite unique when you think about it. No oh, guesses. Wow. Three, two, one. Okay, got to move on. We'll be, <laughs> or we'll, we'll be here all bloody night. All right. I made my big money move in the 90s to none other than Liverpool, which was a huge change for me coming from a small club. That's a in big the 90s. clue. Big clue, especially with the appearances record. Is it Gary Neville? What? (laughs) That's minus minus 10 points for the most idiotic answer ever given. When did Gary Neville make his move to Liverpool in the (laughs) 90s? And uh, I'd already guessed Gary Neville after the second (laughs) clue. Did you? I'm just thinking oh, about goodness. English defenders. I'm stuck. I'll even give you another clue. Not, not that position. That's the <laughs> only thing I'll say. Nothing from you, Pat. Am I allowed another guess? No, you said yes. <laughs> no, that's oh, on record. Forty-nine. Man. He's a pundit. Eight different clubs. That's pretty what's crazy. Me. I... Made a, a big club. money move to the nineties. Uh, to Liverpool in the 90s from a small club? Um, Stan Collymore. Nice guess. Nice guess, but no. No. All right. Getting down to the second half of them. I, <laughs> I represent... Stan Collymore made the fourth and all-time <laughs> Premier League. No, definitely not. Oh my God. I represented my country, obviously England, 53 times. And I'll give you, I'll add the next clue into this because you two are getting nowhere slowly. I represented my country 53 times and I've only ever won a League Cup and an FA Cup during my career. So that, this is a real tricky one because of the number of appearances, the lists he makes, but he's only won an FA Cup and a League Cup. Do I know this player? You'll know who it is, 100%. Hundred percent. Nineteen seventy. You will know this player one hundred percent when I say his name. Jeez, guys! I hope the viewers aren't giving a rating system on our pundits tonight because it <laughs> probably won't make for good reading. Oh I'm going to count you down: three, two, one. Time's up. <laughs> I've really got them stumped. I'm hoping to go to the record of giving all 10 oh. clues over here. What are so we up to? Far, seven. we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven clues in. Oh. All right. Number eight. And this is a big one. <laughs> I was considered a highly rated goalkeeper, but earned a nickname David Seaman. for some high profile errors. Nope, not David Seaman. David. 
James. David James is oh, the answer. Bloody hell. Yeah, the wrong David. That. Well done, Pat. Well Se- Seaman was at Arsenal his whole career. What are That's you talking right. about, Liam? I thought, I thought, I'm not listening to the clues from previous ones. I just listen to whichever one I get. <laughs> That's probably a flawed uh, <laughs> strategy you got going on there, Liam. So I'll, I'll finish yeah. off a pretty interesting stats. I would never have picked this that he made, you know, the fourth all-time Premier League top flight appearances, 787 appearances. He's also held, he also holds or held the Premier League record for the most clean sheets with 169. Until Peter Cech surpassed his awesome. record. I was about to say, didn't Peter Cech? Yeah, but I mean... He still holds crazy. a record. He still holds a record for the most number of flaps at crosses. That's true. So, if you, didn't get, if you didn't get the nine clues, the last clue was his nickname was... Anybody for bonus point, bonus five points? Can anybody tell me what his nickname was? The Venus Flytrap. No. <laughs> Three um, seconds, Pat. Three, <laughs> two, one. Calamity. None other than oh, <laughs> Calamity James. Yes, That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> Unfortunately, Pat, due to the rules, the you after the buzzer. So you didn't you say zero. I want VAR. Where's VAR <laughs> when you need it? So well done, Pat. Then you open your account with. Uh, three points two. on that one. Sorry, two points. Yep. All right. All right. Moving on to the next one. I was born the 8th of January, 1986. So he's not far off you, Liam. I play for and captain an English club. That's a big clue first up. He plays for and captains an English club. Three, two, one. Sorry, gentlemen. Clue is done. Clue number two. I am predominantly a left-footed player and my passing ability and possession retaining qualities have earned me the nickname Merlin. Really? Merlin? Merlin? Yep. Three, two, (laughs) one. Moving on. Two clues done. I have earned 125 national caps and over 485 senior appearances for my clubs. Just thinking of Captain Coleman. I was just going to say Seamus Coleman. Nice guess, but no. But but I'm glad I didn't. Three, two. So I'll say nothing at all. One, zero. All right. All right. All right. I'm considered by many to be one of the best midfielders in the world and in the history of the Premier League. If you're not linking these clues, you have no hope of guessing who this is. 
David Silva. Yay! <laughs> Liam John Lawless storms back into first place. Looking no awesome. David. Was he born in 1986? He sure was. And he's the current captain of Manchester City. I forgot he's a point captain this year. You did. Really I good knew. guess, Liam. Really nice good. guess, Lola. That's one, I thought two, I really thought about all the clues you were giving this time. You see, it's amazing what, how you can link it all. <laughs> so that's six points for uh, for Liam. Wow, what a what a turnaround that was. From six last to, to first again. But having said that, Liam, that's exactly how you were in August, and you finished last. So slow and steady, <laughs> mate. Slow and steady. <laughs> Well done, guys. Well done. Well done, Con. Thank you. Very good. I really enjoyed that question, Connell. <laughs> I'm sure you did because you won it. Pat, a lot of making up to do next week, but nothing you're not used to. You know I'm good for it, mate. You sure just are. So, just as I hope all our fans are good for giving us a follow on Twitter at WT underscore football, Facebook at WT football podcast. We've appreciated the comments, the feedback so far. So let us know what your WTF moments are. Let us know what you like and don't like on the podcast. Let us know how we can improve, if there is room to improve, of course. Um, but we have reached the end of our show, guys, sadly, and we won't be back for two weeks because we've got the Ooh. break. <laughs> oh, bloody who, mate? Who wants to watch international football? I mean, really, worst thing ever invented. Well, I'm Ru- just glad. I'm just glad because like it <laughs> looks like he's picked up a two week hammy, so he'll be back for the next game. Uh, there you go. But until then guys, enjoy the break and we will see you all in two weeks' time. See you everyone. Catch you later. I can walk away from that over this. Somebody told me this guy was good. What the football? Football. Oh, uh-huh. Pat, two, you want to know one. who you play next? Watford. <laughs> you play Watford next. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't that be ironic if Watford come back and beat Arsenal? Oh, no. <laughs> Mate, yeah. you have set yourself up for disaster with your comments. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to figure out how to replay a clip. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to figure that out.